Hello. Welcome to Adorn Podcast. That was a funny hello. Hello. Um, we are on episode 109 and we're going to finish out chapter three of James. Welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. So, glimpse of grace. We're going to change it up this week and talk about something that, I don't know, it felt kind of funny to me at first. Like, I don't know. Okay, we'll just go with it. (laughs) We're going to talk about where we saw a glimpse of God's grace in the world, in nature. nature. Erin thinks my idea is funny. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I chose this because God showed me a lot of grace through nature this week. So if you know me, if you've heard me talk recently, you know that we started gardening over um, COVID. We started a COVID garden. And this week, something really interesting happened. Um, for transparency purposes, it has been a tough, tough week at our house. Just some um, kind of ugliness has come out, some um, just sin, yeah. just sin and um, humanity and So it's been a tough week and Jonathan came in the other day and we have this, so we tried cucumbers earlier in the summer and they didn't work. So we had to pull them up and, and we actually got a new seedling not too Mm -hmm. long ago of a cucumber plant and it's been doing really, really good. And he comes in and he's like, Hey babe, like, I just don't think these cucumbers are going to make it. And I was like, what? Because I've been watching him and I'd been watching Mm -hmm. this cucumber grow. And I just looked at it the day before and it was, it was doing great. And I said, Oh no, like I was so sad. And so I went out there to check on it. And I looked at the cucumber that had been growing that I saw and it was still growing. Like it looked great. And so I had him come out and I was like, Hey, this cucumber, like, look, it it looks great. Well, the cucumber was hidden behind a pot. Mm. And so he hadn't seen it. So to him, the rest of the plant, he didn't see any fruit anywhere Mm. else. The rest of the plant looked like it was dying, Mm. but this cucumber had been hidden and he couldn't see it. And it was actually growing and it's like almost ready to be picked. And then there were a few others that were kind of hidden that I had been watching that he hadn't seen. And so I was thinking about this and I was like, it was just such a good example to me because sometimes, and, and thinking about James and thinking about like suffering and, and trials and things like that. And sometimes on the outside, things can just look so messy and Mm. so bad. And you can even wonder like, is there any life there? Is there any hope there? Mm. And the truth is like, there is like God can bring life out Mm -hmm. of, out of things that look dead, Mm -hmm. out of things that you wonder, like, is there any hope here? Mm -hmm. There, there is hope and there, um, you know, God's the giver of life and he's the giver of all good things. And so that just this theme of James with, um, the steadfastness during trials and that producing like good, Mm -hmm. it, 
it was just a physical example of that to me. And we actually had a friend earlier in the summer talk about something similar with her tomato plant. Um, the similar thing, like it was just messy and it looked dead. But then when she started pruning away all the mm-hmm. dead, she saw like these bright, beautiful tomatoes. And so it was just a reminder that even though things can look hopeless and things can look dead and things can look messy, like God can still bring mm-hmm. fruit out of that. Mm-hmm. And that's that's what he does. That's what he's in the business of. He's in the business of this restoration. Mm-hmm. And so that was just a grace to me to see that in nature and to be reminded of that in such like a clear way mm-hmm. this week when at home things seem so messy mm-hmm. and, and hopeless at moments, a reminder that it's not hopeless. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that was a really good analogy. When I first read it, I was just thinking like, this feels very tree hugger, like hippy dippy, <laughs> which is kind of my thing. Hey, we so, are in Austin. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I spent um, the last... 10 days in California, which was a huge um, blessing and gift to our family. We spent the first half of the week at the beach and the second half kind of in the hills, Mm. mountainous area, which was just such a glimpse of like seeing God's beauty in creation and really reminding myself of like how small and humble and lowly I am Mm. in light of all that God has done. I mean, we would walk the beach every morning and I would alternate with my kids so I could have some one-on-one time with them. And I would ask them questions. And, you know, we talked about the ocean and how big and powerful it was. And just like, what a reminder, if the ocean is that big and powerful, then how much more is God, if he's the one who created it, you know, when we were in the Hills, we could see for miles, we could see the big mountain ranges out in the distance. And we just talked about like, wow, God created all of this from the ocean to the mountains. And so it was just a really good reminder for my soul. Like here in Texas, we don't always see big mountains or (laughs) the ocean or things like that. And so it was just very refreshing for me to be reminded of like, wow, the, the, um, creation really just cries out and Mm. glorifies the Lord in a, in a really beautiful way. Mm Mm-hmm make you feel so small sometimes yep. like standing in, in the, the mountains way. or yeah. yeah or at the edge of the ocean like yeah. it reminds you of kind of your place and how big God is mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. it so we are jumping in in the middle of a chapter so do you Casey want to kind of just like remind us where we left off last time yeah so we left off last time we were talking about taming the tongue about mm-hmm. how the tongue can be so powerful and so dangerous and how we need to be careful with what we say mm-hmm. that's good so like even zooming out a little bit more, reminding us of kind of James' purpose, we thought it would be a good place to just kind of throw this in here again before we jump back in. Because when we kind of hone in, you know, as we do going verse by verse, we want to try to also think big picture and not lose like the main purpose and the goal and the theme of what James is writing. And so he's kind of, we've talked about this um, as we've been going, but he's reminding us of that, not necessarily new theology, right? He's writing to mostly believers, Mm -hmm. but how that theology affects our everyday life. And as I was reading this week, I came across a quote that I think was a really good kind of analogy for what James is saying here. We've, we've said from the beginning, James like throws these punches and he's not messing around. He like understands the seriousness of how the gospel needs to affect our everyday life. And so this quote, um, although it wasn't directly about the book of James, I thought it was really helpful. It says, um, this is from the drama of scripture by Bartholomew and Goheen. And it says, some messages can be received merely for information. Others like there's a fire in the building, demand an immediate response from anyone who hears it. Anything less would be ludicrous. 
One cannot remain impassive once one has truly heard the news that God is at last acting to usher in his universal kingdom. This message to be heard by all people demands a response. And so this is a good reminder for us to understand that the reason James is writing is not to add um, things to our to-do list Mm. or for legalism or to put shame on us or condemn us or anything like that. The reason he is writing this is to say, Hey, you know, there's a fire in the building, right? You or for lack of, you know, for analogy, you know, the kingdom is at hand. You know, the gospel needs to be accepted and spread and shared and we need to advance the kingdom. And here's what it looks like to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, there is a response that is required. Now I'm showing you what the response is. And today that's going to look like, us knowing what it looks like to grow and understand in in godly wisdom. Mm -hmm. So each of these things James is talking us through as far as like taming the tongue and what is godly wisdom and meekness and all these things are ultimately so we have the right response to the news. So it's not just information, it's transformation. Mm -hmm. That's good. Okay, let's jump in. Let's jump in. Verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Whenever I hear wisdom, I always go back to Proverbs 9.10 that says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. And this just goes back to something that Aaron and I are so passionate about, and that's Mm -hmm. the doctrine of God. Mm -hmm. And if we don't have a right understanding about God, then everything else can kind of fall apart. Like Mm -hmm. everything, the foundation um, that we stand on and that the rest of our theology flows from is, is the doctrine of God. And so wisdom should flow from what we believe about God. Right. And we have a whole series on that. I think we've mentioned it a couple yeah. times as we've gone through here, but um, it's way back in the beginning, like episode 10 or so yeah. and on. Um, but it that's kind of why we started this podcast you know, in that direction with grounding first in doctrine of God before we even jumped into scripture was because we felt that was so true, right? Like we have to have a true understanding of who God is. Tozer says what you believe about God is the most important thing about you. And that's because everything else hinges on Mm -hmm. that truth. Absolutely. So I liked this definition of wisdom. It said, wisdom is effectively applying truth to everyday circumstances. And so if you look at verse 13, it says, good conduct. By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So this is not just about like head knowledge, but it's actually about what we do with our hands, our actions. Mm -hmm. That's what Aaron um, I heard her say a few weeks ago, like head, heart, hands, mm-hmm. like it all goes together. And so he's talking about like our conduct that actually flows from this wisdom. Yeah. I think it's a good reminder that in the beginning of this chapter, he was talking about not, not everyone should become teachers. Right. And it's, it's coming back to that same idea of, of meekness. And le- he says, let your good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So he's saying this is not for, for as he's going to go into worldly wisdom or Mm self-glorification, but it's in meekness. And meekness, I've heard be defined in multiple different ways, but often one definition I've heard is strength under control, Mm -hmm. which we've talked about a little bit. But I pulled up um, this word meekness that he's using here is actually a really specific original word. It's only used three times in the New Testament. So it, it has the same root word as meekness we hear other places mm-hmm. in scripture. But this um, this form right here is called pra, praoutes. I was hoping you would pronounce that. <laughs> <laughs> praoutes. I actually wrote down the pronunciation sounding instead of the word itself so that I could get it right. Um, and we see it back in James one twenty one where he said, um, lay apart all filthiness 
Oh, wow. I put in the King James translation of this. And so it's a very different translation. I was kind of wondering. I was like, we're just going to go with it. (laughs) Okay. James 121. And where he says, receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. And then we see it again. um, The the only other time is in 1 Peter 3.15, where it says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you for a reason of the hope that is within you with meekness and fear. So I think it's, I thought it was really interesting that it's only used, this specific word is only used three times, but the same root word from this meekness is used in many places. And one of the most well-known places is when Jesus, uh, when we really see the heart of Jesus in Matthew 11, um, 29, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle, or this is where he would say, and I am meek and lowly in heart mm-hmm. and you will find rest for your souls. And so I love that we're getting this word and it's in James is encouraging us to grow in this meekness when Jesus is ultimately the one who says, I am the example. Mm-hmm. And if I am meek, then you are to be meek too. And so I just thought that was a really good way to tie it all together and understanding this is that Jesus exemplifies this for us. Yeah. He is all knowing. So he has all the wisdom and yet he can, he lives it out in a way where he is strength under control. He is meek. And so we need to know what that's like so we can grow in that as well. I was just thinking about that, like about how I think sometimes we forget Jesus's humanity and how he could have come back at so many people with like anger and Mm -hmm. like, and we do see him get angry at times that righteous anger, like we've talked about before, but he knows it all. So he could be like, I know this, Mm -hmm. you know, but Mm -hmm. he is, he's so meek. Mm -hmm. And I think so many times, like I fall into that. I'm like, especially like with my kids, I'm like, I know better than you. Why won't you just listen to me? You know? And so I think that that's such a good example, knowing that Jesus knew it all Mm -hmm. and he was perfect. He had no sin, but yet he had that strength under control. Mm -hmm. And so I love that. Mm-hmm. verses 14 through 16. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambi- ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. So I like that he starts with what not, not to, to do. do. Mm-hmm. I think that is helpful sometimes mm-hmm. for us to recognize, okay, this is not what we're supposed to grow in. This is what we're supposed yep. to grow in. Put off these things yes. first and yes. then put on, which we keep seeing. And I love because yep. that's just so practical. Yep. So Mallory, actually, if you're a PAO lady, you know um, Mallory. She sent us the, the sermon series by Tony Evans. And so I listened to the sermon on this specific passage, and it was really, really good. And when he's talking about, like, this earthly wisdom, he said um, – in reference to like being driven by emotions, Mm -hmm. whenever you believe how you feel over what God says, you raise man and his emotions above God and his revelation. And that means it's human wisdom, not Mm. divine wisdom. So we can think if we're being like driven by our emotions Mm -hmm. and our actions and our quote unquote wisdom that we think we have Mm -hmm. is driven by emotions more than likely that's not a godly wisdom. Mm. Um, And so I just thought that was, that was a good reminder because once again, we've already talked about this, but we're in a culture that says, you know, do what you feel, Mm -hmm. you know, think Mm -hmm. about what you feel. And like we've said before, feelings are important to God. Look at the Psalms, like they're important, but 
you shouldn't always make your decisions based mm-hmm. on your feelings. I mean, think about like your own life. Like think about how in a moment where you're really heated or really sad or really, yeah. you know, whatever negative emotion and you make a decision, you like look back and you're like, I should not have made a decision exactly. in that state. <laughs> yes. and so it's like, it's very yes. clear to us when we think about yeah. this in our own lives, how true that is. Yeah. And yet we often fall into it again and again mm-hmm. thinking, well, I feel this way. So I'm going to use that. That's my wisdom to make a decision mm-hmm. or whatever. And that's, that's a really good quote by Tony. Yeah. yeah. It was a really good sermon. I also, the word bitterness stood out to me here because, um, when we were studying this word earlier in James, I heard it said that bitterness is when you want something bad to happen to someone, mm-hmm. or it can also be said, like, as I was thinking about this, I think maybe just not wishing them well. Mm-hmm. And to me, this was really like an ouch moment because I think bitterness sometimes seems um, kind of abstract. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you can kind of get away with being like, Oh, I'm not bitter. Mm -hmm. But if you actually give it like a practical, well, it means this, Mm -hmm. like I, there are definitely some things that I'm bitter about. And like, maybe I don't wish for someone to have like physical harm, but am I wishing them well? Like Mm -hmm. people that hurt me or hurt my family, Mm -hmm. like there have been times and there's, there are still times that I'm like, well, they need to get what they deserve for hurting us or, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so when I have those negative thoughts about people and when I'm wishing like bad things to happen to people or not wishing them well, like that's bitterness. Mm-hmm. And so that really hit me because it's easy to say, oh, no, 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 I'm not bitter. But when you really think about it, I think it's something that a lot of people probably struggle with. Yeah. I heard this now, uh, this comparison which I thought was really helpful when it says this is not the wisdom that comes down from above but it is earthly unspiritual and demonic talking about this godly ungodly wisdom or this earthly wisdom and it was drawing this um, connection between temptation that we face so temptation that we face we usually can face three different types of temptation earthly, which would be from our outer circumstances, Mm -hmm. other people, whatever that is, different things. Um, Unspiritual, which would then be your own flesh Mm -hmm. leading you into temptation. And then demonic, which would be temptation from the enemy. And I think it's kind of just a good awareness to have because oftentimes we think, you know, I don't deal with temptation or different things like uh-huh. that, or we, we don't necessarily put a name to it. But yep. I liked that connection where it said, you know, these are the three ways we're going to face temptation. And these three ways are what the, James is saying here. These are the ways that we also are trying to seek wisdom mm-hmm. in earthly ways, in unspiritual ways and in demonic ways. And so there's kind of this tie between the two. I also found it super interesting that this, where he says that the phrasing um, at the end where it says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice is the same original wording that James used when he talked about in chapter one, where he's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So unstable in all his ways doesn't sound super harsh or dramatic, but disorder in every vile practice mm-hmm. sounds very strong very dramatic. and dramatic, <laughs> yes. but it comes from the, the, this same idea. And so James is saying, Hey, I'm showing you again, what not to do. And then now I will show you what to do. And the reason for this is because like we read in the beginning, there's a fire in the building. Like Jesus is here. The kingdom is here. You can't be indifferent. You're either going to grow one direction mm-hmm. or the, or the other. What's a way that we see this in our, in our culture? This, I, this like earthly, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, every vile practice. Yeah. I think, um, 
I think I was listening to somebody, so don't shoot the messenger on this one, but the person I was listening to, she referenced, um, she said in politics, often Mm -hmm. we see this where there's this selfish ambition or there's jealousy and it really shows itself as disorder Mm -hmm. and vile practices in in politics because of the selfish ambition. Mm -hmm. Um, I think another place we see it is like in reality TV, um, like the person I was listening to gave the analogy of the bachelor. Yeah. Cause it was like, you're completely driven by jealousy and selfish ambition. Right. That's what the whole show is based yeah. on. Essentially. And it's like a mess. I've never yeah. actually watched the bachelor. I think I may have watched an episode with you, but Hey, <laughs> not to throw, throw you under me the under bus. bus. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, <laughs> I, but I have the idea, the concept of watching yeah. other reality TV, um, and realized like, this is, this is every vile yes. practice. Oh, you it's say that. so true. So true. <laughs> Not that God can't redeem some and of I think it for like sure. In but a more just like being totally honest way, I think we've seen some of this, like when this bitter jealousy and selfish ambition takes root in people's hearts, it even can affect the church. Mm-hmm. And so James is coming back to this idea that he started this chapter with, right? Like not many of you should become teachers because you're selfish ambition. And so it's the same idea that this can infiltrate the church. And so when you're serving or you're in ministry or you're, um, becoming a leader and you're doing it for your own selfish ambition or jealousy, when you're looking at someone else and saying, I want that stage, or I want that platform, or I want that influence or whatever it is. If you're doing that, not out of a place to spread the kingdom or an out of an overflow of what Jesus has done in your heart, but instead you're doing it for your own name, then this is still qualifies as leading to disorder. Mm -hmm. And so Um, I don't want to overstate that, but I do want us to just kind of be aware, like just because we're not on the bachelor and we're not in politics doesn't mean that we're not going to struggle with this same, um, temptation for selfish ambition. This is so true. I mean, when you look at any situation that seems like out of control or chaotic, I think most of the time the root of it is, is jealousy or selfish Mm -hmm. ambition. I even Mm -hmm. think about this within my house, like with my kids. Um, I've got a four-year-old daughter and she, we've got some four-year-old neighbors too, which is such a blessing. But a lot of times, um, when my house gets, they come over a lot, they come over a whole lot. And when my house feels out of control and chaotic, Mm -hmm. when they're over, a lot of times I can go in there and be like, girls, what's going on? And the root is always, always like jealousy or selfishness. Mm. She had this and I want this. No, that's mine. Like always. So if we even take it down, you know, another level to like even further, you know, just with four year old little girls, when things get chaotic, that is oftentimes Mm. the root of Mm. it. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. But luckily now James is going to shift us. He's warning us against jealousy and selfish ambition. And he's going to say, put that off. And now let's talk about what to put on. Now and luckily do. he gives us a lot of really great places yes. to land. And yes, um, we're going to kind of break all of those down for you. Verses 17 through 18 say, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So this is a lot and it may feel like, oh my gosh, how am I ever going to do all that and be all of those things? But we have to remember that 
we are only able to do this by the power of the Spirit, which is given to us through our faith in Jesus Christ. And so as we read these things, I don't want them to feel like heavier burdens to bear, right. but to just remember like James is guiding us and pointing us to Jesus, who is all of these things so that we can grow to be more like him, transformed mm, one, degree one degree of, of glory, glory to, to the next, next, as we love to say on here. Yep. So let's break them down a little bit. Let's talk first about pure. So what does that mean? <laughs> What does it mean to be pure? I feel, and that's what, that's kind of what I said about bitterness too. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of these words just, they're very christian Well, if you if grew you up will. in the like 90s, yeah. um, church culture movement, like pure automatically just means like sexually pure. Exactly. And that's yeah. not exactly what he's talking about right here. Pure is much bigger than right. that. So I think there's a little bit of like PTSD around the word pure. Like not <laughs> true. It's so true. Just because of yes. the way it was so hyper-focused, yes. which is a good, I mean, there was good intent there, right. right? Like there was good intent to help young people live according to the ways God has called them. But I think for us, we need to just kind of take a step back. And I think if we're putting this against what ungodly wisdom is, pure wisdom then is is rightly motivated. If nothing else, it's for the glory of God and not the glory of self. So when I think um, of pure and what James is talking about here is, is kind of like unstained, mm-hmm. like not... For just yourself, right. right? So your 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 wisdom is motivated by glorifying God, not glorifying self. And I remember when we had um, Emily and Laura from mm-hmm. Risen Motherhood on here, they were so encouraging because I think this there's this struggle of well, I'm never going to be totally rightly motivated. You know, like mm-hmm. I yes. might think, okay, mm-hmm. well, I can't move forward in this ministry or in this relationship or in this discipleship or whatever it is, because my motives aren't hundred percent pure. Like I'm posting this thing on Instagram because I really want people to know about this Bible verse, but am I really actually posting it for my own glory or am I posting it for God's glory? So there's always going to be this tension in understanding like is this a hundred percent for God's glory? Is this pure? And, and I think what they said was so encouraging is that we just have to keep moving forward and God will purify our motives as we move. Mm-hmm. We can't just sit and wait for our motives to be a hundred percent pure. We have to allow God to sanctify us as we continue to move. Yeah. Yeah. That was so encouraging to me too. And I think, um, what this looks like practically is just a lot of time and prayer and scripture. I think that that's how God um, sanctifies us. And we just pray like, Lord, help my motives to be pure. Like help me to um, truly be doing this for your glory and not for my own. And this is a heart posture. Like you can't always see when someone posts on Instagram, you don't know the motive behind it. Um, You can't always see this at first glance. I think that if this isn't, purely motivated, then it will come out in ways like what we just talked about, the disorder and um, things like that. So in time, you know, you might be able to see, but at first it's, it's not easy to see, but I think that um, the way you really work on being purely motivated is, is just spending time with God. Like, and that sounds so like cliche and um, maybe a little oversimplified, but um I think that's that's what transforms our motivation. Mm-hmm. That's good. So then peaceable and gentle. And as I was studying this, I listened to a Jen Wilkin teaching on this. And this is what she was um, kind of drawing away from the peaceable and gentle. And she was saying, you have to love the people you're sharing with more than 
what you're sharing. Mm -hmm. And that was very um, kind of convicting to me because she said, if you think you have this wisdom and you want to share it, um, or if you think you're making this decision and you want to share it, whatever the, the wisdom looks like when you're playing it out, if you are more concerned with that wisdom than the person you're sharing it with, then it's not peaceable and gentle. Right, right. And she even gave the example she was saying, like when she first started teaching, this was like very hard for her to grow in this because you don't necessarily always know the people you're teaching really well, mm, yeah. but to think of their hearts and their situations and their circumstances and their struggles and their trials before you say, Hey, I have an answer to your trial. Like really just being with the people and thinking of them before sharing with them. Does that kind of make sense? It does. And I actually, as you were saying that, I thought of an example. Jonathan asked me this week, um, you know, right now, especially there's certain pastors that are kind of, um, um, liked more than others Mm. in certain circles, I guess. And, uh, he asked me if we would share a quote from a certain pastor. And I said, you know, I said, I don't know. I said, I think it comes down to kind of knowing our audience and knowing if this certain person is offensive to our audience Mm. or, um, or not, you know? And I think that, I think that when we think of gentle, my Bible said thoughtful and respectful of other people's feelings. Mm. And so I think it's just one of those things, like Jen was saying, like just being aware of the Mm -hmm. people in front of you and being aware of their feelings. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't say things that you feel convicted to say. And Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that, um, you should never, you should shy away from the truth at all, but just keeping in mind who's listening to Mm -hmm. you and who you're teaching. Just like we talked about, um, a few weeks ago with James and Paul, how they had different audiences. Mm -hmm. And so they were addressing different things. I think that being respectful to, to your audience, uh, that's something that I try to be aware of. And I feel like we both try to be aware of, and it's not because we're cowards or afraid of conflict or anything like that. But, um, I think it's just being gentle and and peaceable. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk about peace a little bit more in a little bit. I think too, like when we think back to that verse from Matthew about Jesus character and his heart, he says, I am gentle. So here again, if we're like, what does it really mean to be gentle? I don't know. It's kind of one of those words. Like we can study this more and like, look at the character of Christ and he will show us what it actually means to be gentle. And this may be a good place if you like to do word studies, like look for all the other places in scripture where it tells us about gentleness and what Mm -hmm. it says about gentleness. And that'll kind of give us a better grasp. I, the other thing I think about this before we move on to the next one is that this Um, we're kind of talking about it as if you're sharing from like a ministry standpoint, but this plays into every type of relationship. I mean, with your kids, I mean, a lot of our wisdom that we're giving is to our children. Mm -hmm. If you have children or, you know, this situation is going to be different. Maybe it's in a discipleship relationship. Maybe it's at work or whatever your relationship looks like. But often when we are to give wisdom, it is, you know, kind of from a place of, not authority, but sometimes with our Mm -hmm. children. Um, and so even when we feel, sometimes I find like if I have a place of authority, I'm more of like, well, I have this, I have to Mm -hmm. share with you this Mm -hmm. wisdom. And instead Jesus is, you know, our example as Mm -hmm. a humble servant. And Mm -hmm. so that should be the same posture we take into any, any relationship of sharing wisdom should be in gentleness. Yeah. And Jesus, he spoke truth. And sometimes that truth was, um, was tough and caused some division and some conflict, but I, he never did that 
with the purpose of causing division and conflict. Right, right. So I think again, like the, just thinking about that gentleness, like what's your motivation? Yeah. Like, are you trying to cause division mm-hmm. and conflict with this wisdom that you're putting out mm-hmm. there? Or are you being gentle and humble? Yeah. I think like kind of exactly what you're saying. I've, I have a, one of our friends from church, she always says, and this is kind of flipping it. This is kind of thinking of like, okay, so there's the wisdom that we share, but then there's also the wisdom that we receive, uh-huh. right? Yeah. And so when we're thinking about receiving wisdom and it's saying that the, the wisdom from above is gentle, like one of our friends at church, he always says like the voice of the Lord is never shame, like shame oh, inducing. And the verse that. from the love Lord that. is never harsh. And so yes. it's this, the same idea, right? Like we may think harsh thoughts mm-hmm. or shameful thoughts, but we have to recognize that that's not from the Lord. The Lord can bring conviction right? and the Lord can bring, you know, like holy reverent fear, mm-hmm. but there's never, the voice of the Lord is never harsh and never angry and mm-hmm. never condemning. And so just being able to recognize the difference, like that's been he said that the first time like a year ago or over a year ago. And I've been like just kind of honing in what that looks like when I'm spending time in the word and I'm feeling conviction or I'm feeling, I start to feel shame over something. I'm able to then kind of like stop and say, okay, Lord, like, I want to hear your voice in this. And what am I called Mm -hmm. to do in this? Am I called to go hide in shame? No, I'm called to bring this to the feet because it's already been paid for on the cross. So just recognizing the voice of the Lord is gentle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Open to reason. So what does this mean? I think this um, often means like being teachable or like having Mm -hmm. a teachable spirit, right? Not thinking you know it all or like I have this wisdom from the Lord, like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Um, And just really being teachable. I don't know. What did you think? Yeah. I mean, I think humility comes to mind, which we're going to see some more in chapter four, but I Mm -hmm. think just being humble, it kind of all ties together. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of all ties together. It does. Full of mercy. I think full of mercy, just we have to remember like the mercy that's been shown to us and then therefore we're able to extend that mercy. And um, just to define mercy, what I heard when thinking about it in this particular passage was talking about like it overlooks offenses. Mm-hmm. And so when we're, when we want, when we're thinking about godly wisdom, it's full of mercy. So God's wisdom is full of mercy. So then we are to be full of mercy and, and overlook offenses, not in a way like Casey was saying of just like sweep it under the rug right. and never deal with right. things and in the sake of love mm-hmm. or acceptance or yeah. whatever, but just reminding ourselves like no one deserves what we've been given mm-hmm. in, and we are called to extend that mercy in, in, in that often looks like overlooking offenses. Yep. That's good. I sometimes get confused between mercy and grace. And I think a lot of times we use those interchangeably. And so I looked it up as well, like just a definition. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it says grace is a gift that we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting the punishment mm. that we do deserve. Mm-hmm. So that's what Aaron was saying, you know, and not sweeping those things under the rug. You know, if your child um, disobeys, then I mean, there are, there are punishments, but there are also times when, when we need to remember the mercy that we've been given Mm -hmm. and, and extend that to others. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it says full of mercy and good fruit. So it's just reminding us like these fruits are going to grow. These things are going to grow as we grow in wisdom, like all of the fruits of the spirit, which, you know, many are listed within this passage, peace and all those things, these are going to grow naturally as we grow in Mm -hmm. wisdom. And I've seen that in my life. I was actually thinking about that this morning, that things that a year ago would have made me really, really, really mad Mm -hmm. as I'm growing in my wisdom Mm -hmm. and knowledge of the Lord. Like 
I'm starting to learn to offer more mercy Mm. in those specific circumstances. It doesn't mean I'm perfect, but I am seeing this fruit in Mm -hmm. my life. And um, when I'm able to see things like that, like it's so encouraging. I'm like, this is actually working. Like what God (laughs) says will happen is actually happening happening and it's working. That's a really good point. Like as you're listening to this, like take a minute and just think like, where have you seen the Lord like grow fruit in your own life? Yeah. And it's probably different for each of us, but it's good to stop and think maybe not even a year back, but five years back or 10 years back. I mean, one place I really see that in my life is like in marriage, like in Mm -hmm. what it looks like to be humble and really consider the other person and consider their needs before your own. Like that was struggle city for me when we got married. And, and like you said, definitely not perfect at it, but watching the way the Lord has like just completely shifted my eyes, um, and like from self to first God and, but then to serving my family has been, it's been really cool mm-hmm. to watch. And so yeah. it's, it's good to look back and see yeah. God's faithfulness in those ways. In and your praise life. the Lord for that. Yeah, like, totally. yeah. Um, what about impartial and sincere? So I love how, how James kind of brings things yes. back around, uh-huh. right? He's like, now don't forget about that. Yep. Remember, just because we're talking about something else doesn't mean you can forget it's about what important. we talked about before. It still matters. Um, and so he's just reminding us, like he told us before, like, Sin, partiality is sin. Partiality is sin. And so now he's saying, now we've grown wisdom. It's got to be impartial, impartial because if it were partial, mm-hmm. it would be sin. That's right. And so impartial. And I love how he puts the two together, impartial and sincere. Yeah. Cause I think we can often be impartial for the sake of self glorification, right? Like, look at me. I'm right. so impartial. I yep. treat everyone the same, but he's saying like, it needs to be impartial and sincere for the love of God and the image bearers of God and for the glory of God, not for the glory of self. Right. Right. So good. So we heard the word peace a whole lot in mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. And so let's circle back around. We mentioned earlier that we were going to talk about it a little bit, but let's circle back around to peacemaking versus peacekeeping. Yeah. When I was, I've heard this a few times. We actually have a good um, blog on the, our we website we about do. this, yeah. but uh, I heard it again in a sermon, not a sermon, in a teaching I was listening to on this and she just drew this really beautiful difference between the two. So I'm going to kind of just summarize what she was saying, because I think it's a very clear, and then we can talk about it a little bit more. But she was saying there's a difference between peacemaking and peacekeeping. So peacemaking is godly. Peacemaking mm-hmm. is long-term in mind. It is conflict resolution. Actually, I want to put these against each other. So peacemaking is long-term focused. Mm-hmm. Peacekeeping is short-term, short-term. focus. Peacemaking is conflict resolution, where peacekeeping is conflict avoidance. Mm -hmm. Peacemaking is others-focused. Peacekeeping is self-focused, whatever makes it easiest for me. And then peacemaking is for the glory of God, where peacekeeping is often for the glory of self. And I think that the reason this matters is because if Jesus was just a peacekeeper, there would have been no crucifixion because he would have said, I don't want to cause a scene. I don't want to make it. I want to make it as easy as I can for myself. Yeah, Because in short term, that was not peaceful. Yes. Yeah. And so when we're hearing peace and peace and peace and be peaceable and peace, and James is talking all this about peace, we have to understand that he's not talking about peacekeeping. He's not talking about saying, 
okay, don't ever bring up anything hard. Don't ever call people out in sin. Don't ever speak truth. Right. Just acceptance, love, keep the peace. Don't cause a scene. That's not what he's saying. And that's not what he did in his life. If we look at the life of Jesus, we see peacemaking. We see long-term. We see him enter into the crucifixion and the the all of the suffering that he went through for that for conflict resolution to resolve for us the conflict that we're stuck in, that he tore the veil so that we could have access to God. And that took some peacemaking, not some peacekeeping. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you think this looks like, like on a very practical level for us? Oh goodness. So this was a mind blowing moment for me. Like Mm -hmm. I seriously, like when I was reading all of this and putting all this together, because so many times when we see those people, um, that we might term as like trying to constantly put out fires. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. there are these people that are just constantly trying to keep the peace, keep the peace, Mm -hmm. keep the peace. Those people, a lot of times, um, they have disorders surrounding Mm -hmm. them. And so we see that earlier, you know, that's that ungodly Mm -hmm. wisdom. And I was like, oh my gosh, like it makes so much sense. I've always wondered that why these people that seem to be wanting to keep the peace, but things also seem to be following, falling apart around Mm -hmm. them. And I've been that person. Like I'm that person that um doesn't want to cause any problem I mean I am a two on the Enneagram Mm -hmm. all the way you know like I don't like conflict um I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings but Aaron's right like it's um I think it's it's having this long-term view of life in general and so you have to look past today and you have to look at the future and um sometimes that's having hard conversations in relationships. So you have to, I mean, whether it's your marriage or whether it's with your kids or whether it's with a friend. So like, let's talk marriage. Like you can make the decision to keep the peace today and just kind of avoid Mm -hmm. some conflict that's happening. Or you can look at that and you can say, you know what, we can have hard conversations today in order to grow our relationship Mm -hmm. for the future. Because I know that having these hard conversations today is going to make us stronger in the future Mm -hmm. versus just sweeping things under the rug and keeping the peace today and then letting those things build up and build up and build up and explode later on. And so um, I think there's a lot of different examples that we can talk about, but I've just seen this, like looking back at my life, I'm like, wow, it makes so much sense now Mm -hmm. how, and that's one of the things in this last year, as we've made some changes, like in our life, that's one thing that we're trying to do is really like see like the long view of things. Yeah. And, um, sometimes that means that today is hard. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that means that this season is hard. But when we're talking about like this long view and and true peacemaking wisdom, um, it, it's worth Mm -hmm. the hard stuff. Yeah. yeah. It gives you some perspective, right? It allows you to say, okay, well, this is going to suck, but for the long run, it's going to be good. Yeah. 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 I think like one really clear analogy too, is like with your kids, I, I am not great at this, so I'm just going to own that outright. But like, if they're fighting, um, our tendency is to split them up, right? Right. Like go in your separate rooms, go in your separate ways. And, um, 
Jen Wilkin was talking about this and she was saying that's actually peacekeeping because Mm -hmm. you're just like, I don't want to deal with it. So just like separate. Um, And often that's because I don't want to deal with it. So it's self-focused, right? It comes back to that peacekeeping. And she said the really, honestly, the right way to deal with it is to bring them together to actually find resolution, not avoidance. She said, it's always harder. It's always harder. You're just going to have to accept that. It takes more time. (sighs) You have to work through it. You have to teach them how to process. So she's like, I'm, I'm just going to own it outright. Like it's harder to do this. But again, for the long run, we're teaching our children how to embrace conflict. Like there's not a lot of adults that enjoy conflict. And I really believe part of that is because we've just been able to avoid it right. for so long. Right. And so when we teach them these tools, it's, it's keeping that long run in mind so that as adults and as older children, they're able to be peacemakers and not peacekeepers. And she said, and I thought this was so good. She said, um, we're teaching them to be reconciled to each other and work out their differences in a way that honors God and honors each other. Mm. And not just for our kids, but for any of us, when it comes to what does it look like in this situation that you're walking in right now, what does it look like for you to be a peacemaker versus a peacekeeper? Maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your church, maybe it's your small Mm. group, maybe it's your discipleship relationship, maybe it's your neighbors, whatever that is. And I think keeping that in mind, it's, it's, trying to reconcile to each other, work out your differences in a way that honors God and honors each other. That's good. Yeah. I mean, that comes back to when it says honor each other, to me, that circles back to the peaceable and gentle, like the whole respecting your, Mm -hmm. the other person's feelings. And, and yeah, there's this balance between, you know, not sweeping things under the rug, mm-hmm. not speaking truth, but also being respect respectable to them, respectful, respectful, respectful. to them, <laughs> and gentle, and, 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 gentle mm-hmm. and kind. And like Aaron said at the beginning, like this can feel so overwhelming, but remember that one degree of glory to the next, mm-hmm. and maybe maybe look at this at this um, passage and choose to focus on one thing, mm-hmm. like one thing this week. Okay, I'm going to focus on being rightly motivated and pure, or I'm going to mm-hmm. focus on being gentle or open to reason, maybe pick one thing and just really ask the Lord to work on that in your life. One other thing that we like to always think about is what does this tell us about God? So Mm -hmm. what does this passage teach us about God? And as I was thinking about this, it just reminded me that these things are important to him. Mm-hmm. You he know, cares he cares. Them. He cares about our heart. So much has of this has to do with heart motivation. Mm-hmm. He cares about um, our our motivation and he cares about um, our character, our character and, our, yeah. and our sanctification. Like um, sanctification is a gift. You know, it, it, he could just kind of leave us to our own sin and depravity, but he didn't, he saved us. And so the fact that we can be transformed from one degree of glory to the next, like that's such a gift. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that's good. All right. What, um, what is our Bible verse for next week? So we will be covering chapter four, verses one through 10. And our memory verse is verse 10, which says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Don't forget that we have the kids resource that you can download. Um, you can find it on our social media and our website, and we will be back with you here next week. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. And most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cobbs. 